Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored, presented by my good friends over at Burns and McCoy. Check them out at burnsandmccoy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you do that and uh, make sure you leave a great review and share it with your friends. All right, got a lot to get to today. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun one. And quick peek at what we're gonna wrap things up with. Scientists were asked what they'd experiment with if they had no morals. <laughs> and that one's just insane. But first, headlines. Pew, 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 pew. Headlines. Headlines. Landed on the moon. Anyway, all right. The production value that I bring to this podcast is outstanding. I really wish I would have uh, saved all my production elements that uh, I had at the radio station before I quit. Kind of screwed that one up. Anyway, two women fell off a 6,000-foot cliff swing. Like, a, you know, those porch swings that you see on uh, somebody's house? Like, you have a big porch, you got a porch swing. That's essentially what these ladies were on over a 6,000-foot cliff. It's in Sulak Canyon in Russia. And then all of a sudden, they're swinging on it. Somebody's pushing them from behind. And then, snap, the chain breaks. And they go tumbling over Thankfully, they didn't die. Just minor scratches because there was a uh, like a little platform right underneath them that they, they thankfully were able to land on. So they're investigating that shit. And, oh, my God, how scary is that? I'm horrible with heights. I don't understand how you, these people go out on these glass platforms where you can overlook, say, the Grand Canyon or, you know, you, there's like a glass bridge from one building to the next or whatever. I freak out if it's like 20 feet or above and, and, and like I, I start to shake. My wife and I went to the Grand Canyon like 12 years ago, something like that. And just walking, I had to stand back like 10 feet from the, the edge because there's a lot, one, there's a lot of places that don't actually have guardrails for some freaking reason. What the hell, Grand Canyon? Can't fix that? They're like, broken like like somebody drove off of it like what the fuck my wife's just walking right alongside it does not a care in the world not a care in the world look at her so sweet naive <laughs> scared the shit out of me the whole time i'm like trying to tug her back like come over here come over here i don't want, i don't want you to go like she took a picture where she's sitting on the edge of a cliff like those ladies were probably on the six thousand foot drop She's just sitting on the edge of it. Nah, no big deal. No freaking way. I don't know how you guys do that. Horribly afraid of heights. Oddly enough, though, I want to say like 13, 14 years ago, I had an opportunity to go up into a helicopter. We were doing some advertising with this company. They trained me a little bit on how to fly a helicopter. And I flew up above the city. And I'm, I don't know how many feet it is up there. But there's no doors on the side. I'm just wearing a seatbelt. I didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't scare me at all. But if I'm on a bridge and it's 20 feet plus down, I get all nervous and I have to get like to the middle of the bridge. That's not a joke. I'm not exaggerating. It's the weirdest thing. I probably hit my head way too many times in life. And that's what happened. I'm afraid of heights now. Ugh. If there's a 6,000-foot drop, don't get on the swing. 
You don't know how well that's been maintained. The chain snapped. It's probably the same thickness as the shit that they use in the my backyard on my kid's swing set. Actually, those ones are pretty thick, but our old one was like pretty thin. And you get people swinging on that every day. You know, not everybody watches their diet. Am I right? Okay. So there's a lot of stress on those things. And next thing you know, Carol and Louise are swinging on the swing and then snap, boom, falling over. Horrible Carol and Louise. Who the fuck is Carol and Louise? I don't know. At least it's not Todd. Fucking Todd's probably the one that screwed it up. He probably was supposed to be maintaining those chains, but he never did. You know why? Because he's fucking Todd and he's lazy. God damn it, Todd. You almost killed those ladies. Son of a bitch. The best way to quit a job. I'm sure you guys have had uh, a job that you've quit and you felt very good about how you left. Maybe you felt like you should have quit a different way to go out with a little more pizzazz. I quit a job once during the middle. It was a, it was a, at a Quiznos. I've told you that story. I quit in the middle of lunch rush. It was amazing. Felt so good about it. <laughs> Felt so good about it. Well, in Burger King in Nebraska, these people quit their jobs using the marquee sign outside, and they wrote, we all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's all over social media. Uh, and to give you a little bit of a backstory on, on the situation, Former GM, Rachel Flores, she had been the GM since January, so she was still young into being a GM for the company, or just a GM in general, and she said that Burger King employees had been working in the kitchen with no air conditioning for weeks, allegedly. At one point, the kitchen received over, it reached over 90 degrees in there. Flores ended up in the hospital for dehydration, said her boss reacted, saying that she was being a baby. Allegedly, I'll tell you this when I worked at a Quiznos and the AC froze up on a hundred degree day because some dickhead turned down the AC temperature to like the 50s or as low as it goes, and then it just froze the lines. Fucking annoying. First time I ever knew that you could freeze your lines for an air conditioning unit, and it was all because somebody just was like, Let's, I'm hot, let's turn it down to whatever as low as it goes, and the line freezes. Then Next thing you know, we're all sweating our nuts off in the middle of the kitchen trying to make sandwiches for people with a fucking oven right next to us. So annoying. We're sweating like crazy. Let's say I was doing putting the meat on the sandwiches. Uh, so I'd get the meat on there. And then as soon as I'd slide it to the next position, I'd have to lean back away from the customers and then put my arm up and wipe the sweat off of my eyes. So one, I could see. And two the sweat wouldn't drip onto the next sandwich and stuff. I did that for every single sandwich. And it was a, it was a busy day. And so I remember, gosh, I, I would guess we made right around 100 sandwiches, something like that, if not a little bit less, maybe a little more. But so you imagine doing that for every, every one. It was exhausting. And that was just the lunch rush. And we had doors open, everything. Nothing helped. But everybody was sweating their nuts off. And there's nothing we could do about it until it got fixed. So if they're alleging that this happened for two weeks, that's a, those are horrible. You're not built for that when you're in a, in a restaurant. Now, that being said, say that to people that work construction who are out there in 90, 100-degree weather, and they're doing that every single day or the entire summer or as long as it's hot out. I mean, that don't complain too much about that. Drink more water. I mean, if, if it's been a couple of weeks, I could see the first day being blindsided by that. 
But next day you learn from the situation. Then you just, you guys, you know, as the general manager, you gather people around guys, the AC's busted. Okay. I brought in some fans from home, right? Okay. We're going to try to keep this cool as much as we can. I need you guys to make sure you're drinking water. Okay. Take a break every five minutes, drink some water, whatever it is. Don't drink too much. We don't need you getting sick, but I also need you to make sure you're not going to be not drinking enough and you get dehydrated. Okay. Ready? Break. Let's go kick some ass. Right. Seems pretty basic, but I don't know the complete situation. I'm just taking her side of things. But if her boss did react and call her a baby, that's pretty jacked up as well. But that all Flores, the GM was saying that, uh, the restaurant was severely understaffed with three to four people sometimes working during the lunchtime. And you can't really do that in, in a, quick serve restaurant like that with that has drive through and front of the house for walk-ins. So I understand that that they probably I'm guessing I I've never worked at a uh, Burger King, but I'm guessing to efficiently work, you probably need about six people at least, but I could be wrong. Here's the thing though. Companies, something that we all need to, take note of due to the pandemic it's forced a lot of companies to go back and really crunch their numbers realizing that they may have been overstaffing realizing gosh we you know we we've been doing a lot of this stuff with less people and we're surviving and we're still get putting out good product and people are happy you know obviously these people weren't but you know what i'm saying so companies may have realized that they've been overstaffing Gosh, our profits are, you know, doing pretty good. Well, that might start happening more and more. There's a lot of people that don't want to get a job now because it's easier to stay on unemployment. It's easier than going to get a job. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, it's also, you know, with wage increases going up, that money has got to come from somewhere. So when you do the books in a restaurant, we'll just stick with restaurants because that's what I used to do. And going through the books, you got to make sure you're profitable. At the end of the day, you got to be profitable. doesn't matter how big your store is. doesn't matter how small your store is. You got to deal with labor costs, food costs, then all the other shit like rent, maintenance of equipment. You know, when you look at paper costs as well. Uh, so meaning like one, you got napkins and stuff like that. Then you also got miscellaneous shit like cleaning supplies and all that. There's a lot that goes in there. If you have a good restaurant, it's clean. If there's time to lean, there's time to clean. And kind of going back to the understaffed, uh, a lot of times you go into a restaurant. If you go into a restaurant and there's a bunch of people standing around and the floor is sticky, walk out the door, leave. You know why? Because they're not doing their job. Because a good restaurant, a good run restaurant will, as soon as you get time, I understand you can take like 10 seconds or so, 30 seconds to take a deep breath. Well, like, well, we just got our ass kicked after that, that big rush that came through. Take a deep breath. Okay. Start cleaning, start cleaning, clean, everybody clean, 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 clean. So you can catch up. And then if you walk into a lobby and the floors are sticky, there's just shit everywhere. Imagine what you can't see. It's disgusting when you think about it. There's a lot that goes into it. But that being said, a horrible situation for these people that 
you know, they're not expected to be working in those type of conditions. And I feel bad for them slightly, but I also understand that don't always be the victim. Sometimes you can go in there and be like, you know what? Fuck them. I called my cousin, Tommy. He does AC units. He's going to fix it. And I'll, I'll make sure the company pays him. Sorry. Ask for forgiveness later. Don't always be the victim. Again, though, I don't have all the details in this situation, but I feel like that it's like, just don't just sit back and be, wait for the hero. Sometimes you just got to do shit yourself. And then talking about understaffed, I used to work at Safe or Subway all the time, and I was the only employee for like four hours by, working by myself at night from like 8 p.m. to midnight just so they could save money. And I get it for the five fucking sandwiches that I probably made from in those four hours doesn't make sense. They shouldn't have been open anyways, but it's really unsafe in that sense. But I do know one thing when you work in a restaurant, you you're expected to hustle. So I don't know. Somebody that works at Burger King, I'd really like to know what it, what it takes in a busy location or at least like that location that she was at. Like what's, what's a good set of amount of employees I want to say it's probably like six. I could be way off. I don't know. Kind of guessing at that one. But it is kind of jacked up to work in, in a building with no AC. But don't say that to a construction worker because they'll be pissed. <laughs> All right, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, an influencer that stuck her foot in her mouth and lost her job. We'll get into that next. Burns and McCoy, do yourself and your family, friends, favor, Grab some Burns and McCoy. They got hot sauces. I love their hot sauces. Can't get enough of their hot sauces. They got dressings, mustards, margarita mix, Bloody Mary mix. Burns and McCoy is a family-run business. Their goal is to bring you only the best products made with the finest ingredients. Trust me. You open up a, a bottle of uh, Burns and McCoy's hot sauce. Oh, my God. It's in, in, insane. It's insane. The food... Your food should be fun. They provide that fun with each unique flavor profile they offer. They're available at all grocery stores in the front range. Check them out at burnsandmccoy.com. Addison Ray, she's an influencer. She has like 39 million followers on Instagram, which is a big deal. That's a lot. She can get paid. I looked this up. She can get paid because the amount of followers on her Instagram she can get paid between $76,000 and like $120-some-odd-thousand dollars per post. Per post. That's insane. That's the power of social media, okay? So she could, Pepsi or Coke or whatever could say, hey, I want you to promote this in whatever way you want. Just make sure you get the product in there, and she'll make like hundred grand. For one post. Insane. Anyway, Addison was hired by the UFC to do some uh, some side stuff, some journalism, quote-unquote, stuff for the UFC fight with Conor McGregor where he snapped his leg. Well, she tweeted a picture of her in front of the, the banner of UFC, and she said, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. And boy, did people shred her to pieces. Shredded her on all platforms. <laughs> they ripped her to pieces. 
obviously it's in poor taste because there's people that work their ass off, grind for years and years and years to get where she ended up getting just, you know, in a lot of people in broadcasting's mind for she didn't do anything to get it. So obviously this made, she made, was, was essentially making a reference to her brief time that she spent studying sports journalism at Louisiana State University before she quit to pursue her social media career, which, like I just said, is, she's doing very well with that. Oh my God. A hundred thousand dollars. I'll tweet anything for a hundred thousand dollars. If anybody is listening, I will, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I will tweet it for a hundred thousand dollars. I don't care. So, but good for her for as far as what she's built in regards to her social media presence. That's huge. But the backlash that happened because she tweeted that in regards to, I, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to, pers- to prepare for this moment is really kind of a backhanded slap towards people that have busted their ass in, in broadcasting for years. People that have grinded it out. They went to college maybe for four years and, or, or whatever, and they've been working you know, 20 years in some you know, little place in Iowa or wherever, right? Just grinding, busting their butt, doing shit shifts and doing dumb stories or whatever they don't want to do just because they have a dream and they're trying to reach it. And then all of a sudden some social media influencer comes in swoops in and takes something for granted that, you know, that they wouldn't. While I agree, she shouldn't have ever said that. Total dick statement. She shouldn't have. She shouldn't have. But the reason she got the job in the first place is because the company, the UFC, saw something in her that they liked. Her 39 million followers on Instagram. That's all a new audience for the UFC, potentially. Even if you think, if you take like 5% or 10% of those followers of hers, and let's say, we'll just go on the low end and like 5% of that, and then they end up paying to go see the next thing that she's covering for pay-per-view, that's money in the pocket. It makes sense why they did it. So you can look at, why the UFC hired her is for her social influence. It's huge. She has a huge footprint when it comes to social media. Also, her attractiveness. Yes, guys, that's a real thing. That draws in listeners as well. Her personality. Okay? Whatever it was that they saw and they, that they put on the paper and they're like, yeah, this just makes sense, guys, for us to hire her. Whatever it was. Okay, you can't be upset about that. It's a hard pill to swallow for people in broadcasting. But just because you've been in the business for a long time, you have a four-year degree, whatever it is, that doesn't mean you're better than the person that has little to no experience, has hardly any education on this. It doesn't mean you're better. Just because you have the ability to talk doesn't mean people want to listen to what you have to say, right? Now, that 
that statement will probably piss off a lot of people in, in broadcasting, but that it's true. Media is, especially talent, is revolves around ego. You have to have an ego in order to be a successful talent because you got to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, okay, you're not going to be successful as a talent. Now, I'm not saying that if you're not successful, you don't have any. You just not might not be that good, guys. I guess is a better way of saying it. You might have a great ego, but you just fucking suck. Whatever it is, you got to be honest with yourself. Am I good? Am I bad? Do I, what do I need to work on? My wife gives me shit because I listen to my podcast a couple times after I post it because I want. What did I do that I could be better at? And that's what a lot of people in broadcasting don't do. And they think they're just awesome already. And they might not be awesome. UFC saw something in her and they liked it. Now, again, circling back, what she said was a shithead thing to say. Don't say that shit. So she apparently lost her job because of that. Okay, I'm fine with that. Don't say stupid stuff. Don't say stupid stuff like that. Don't say dickhead things and expect there to be no consequences. But I understand why they hired her. It's a completely new audience for them. Business, guys. It's all about business. It makes sense. She shouldn't have said it. But it doesn't mean that they made a bad choice in initially hiring her. Radio and TV are changing constantly. All the USC was doing or is doing is trying not to get left behind. Quote, unquote, left behind. They're the UFC. They're doing well. But they want to stay ahead of things. Be like, oh, yeah, she has this huge reach. Let's let's get her. She's not bad. Let's just get her on there. She has a great personality. So it, it makes sense. That's what companies do. That's what all good companies do. They're always trying to be like, what's the next step for us to take so we, we stay relevant? We stay ahead of things. Does this mean that people are going to get jobs over you who you think won't do as good of a job as you? Yeah, totally. It's totally going to happen. I've seen it happen. People get jobs and you're like, why the fuck did that guy get a job? No idea. I don't know what he brings to the table. It happens. There's something that the company saw that they liked, and that's what it is. Maybe instead of looking at other people and questioning why they got an opportunity, maybe you should look at yourself and be like, what am I needing to do in order to set myself up for success and set myself up for opportunities? Because maybe you're looking at things incorrectly, right? It's life and it sucks, but it is what it is. All right, little funner. More funner thingies to do, to talk about. <laughs> I am a wordsmith, I tell you what. Scientists were asked what they'd experiment on if they had no morals. Let's jump into that. Cloning serial killers. My wife's ears just perked up because she's really into that true crime bullshit. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. <laughs> This one scientist wrote, I want to take DNA from infamous serial killers like Dahmer and uh, clone them, then have a baby raised in a normal, supportive, loving family. I'd study the kids all through adulthood and see how much is nature and how much is nurture. 
interesting. That is fascinating. I also heard that something, I want to get into serial killers in an episode because it is fascinating, the beliefs on what makes a serial killer. My wife may have told me this one. Something about like if you, there's a certain age bracket when you're young, if you, you hit your head that, you know, a lot of these serial killers, they had like, they were dropped on their head. Don't drop a baby. You could be raising a serial killer. Good luck. So something like that, like if there's any sort of head trauma at a certain age that it could influence those type of behaviors. And I'll do some more research on that, and, and we'll get into that at a later date. Another scientist said giving Skittles to people who uh, with serious but treatable conditions. This physician wanted to see how effective the placebo effect really is by giving people with treatable conditions Skittles instead of life-saving medication. That is very fascinating because I'd be very curious of how many times, like they said, serious but treatable. So what does that really mean? Syphilis? I got a bad case of syphilis. Can I have those green Skittles, please? Oof. Why do they say green? It just makes me think of an infection. Gross. <laughs> Experiments with social isolation intrigue me, this one scientist said. Raise a child with no language and see what happens. No contact with other people. Just wild children. See what happens. It also will kind of give you an idea of what, what that trauma will create versus social trauma. It just it would be very interesting. It would be horribly unethical. Horribly cruel. Very interesting to see what would happen. Heat-seeking dogs. The scientist wrote, I'd work with uh, genetically modifying genes that control our cones in our eyes and basically take, uh, like, from snakes. Snakes can see well at night and some shit like that, apparently, and then put it into dogs and put them in, like, rescue dogs. And they'd had infrared vision to help locate missing people or recover people in natural disasters. That'd be, that'd be a great thing. Also, this, uh, this one, I like this one. You might not like it, but I love it. A drugged-up Olympics. I remember when the MLB had the steroid era, and it was great. A lot of people don't think so, but it was great. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, that was amazing. You can't deny that. It was great. Home runs city. It was a great, great time in baseball. I'd love to see that in Olympics. How many records would get broken? See some big old juiced up guy <laughs> playing ping pong. <laughs> that son of a bitch destroyed 10 balls. <laughs> the other guy couldn't hit it. Oh my God, that would be amazing. It would be, it would be very interesting to see how that would unfold. And then animal-human hybrids. You got to admit that would be interesting. Now, like if you signed up for that, that would be great. Be like, hey. You're going to go to sleep, you're going to wake up, and you're going to be connected with an animal, okay? We're not going to tell you which one it is, but you're going to be, you're going to be really excited. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait. Probably going to be a tiger or a lion or, you know, uh, something cool like that. Wake up. Scott, congratulations. You're a human hybrid with the animal sloth. You're like, fuck you. God, a sloth? Really? Yeah, they got an amazing digestive system. They only poop like once a month or something like that. Like, no, I like pooping every day. Really? Fuck you guys. Why couldn't it be a tiger? 
something like that. Or a cobra. <laughs> That'd be great. No? A fucking sloth? You guys can eat a bag of dicks. How about that? Jerks. Whew. All right. Oh, my God. I lost my screen. I lost my computer screen. I make notes throughout the whole thing, so it makes it easy. All right. So, guys, what did we learn today? Make sure you don't swing over a 6,000-foot cliff. No matter what. It doesn't matter what it's attached to. Just don't fucking do it. it doesn't, it's not going to end well. If you're going to quit a job, make sure you do it in style. I like that. I really do. Don't say dumb shit on any sort of social media platform because it just makes you look like an asshole. No matter how you got there in the first place. Okay? Addison, write. Learn from your mistake. Don't be a dick. And also, if you're going to be signing up for an animal-human hybrid study, make sure you get to pick your animal. Because you don't want to end up being a human sloth. Because that would blow. Anyway, it's the Huff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done it. And make sure you share it. Make sure you review it. And thank you so much to Burns and McCoy. Check them out. Do yourself a favor. Check them out at BurnsandMcCoy.com. It's the Huff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's move forward. We'll talk to you next time.